Hello, and welcome to this edition of Life's Tough, You Can Be Tougher. Our first podcast was earlier this year, and since we started, we've had a number of inspiring and engaging guests with lots of free-flowing conversation. I'm Dustin Planelt, your host. This is a show about life and purpose. It's about the stories we all have. Everyone, when you think about it, has a story. Some stories may sound more riveting than others. That's to be expected. Not every story, after all, is the basis for a blockbuster movie or an HBO miniseries. When you think about your own story, the most important thing to consider is what you will do with it. Or, to put it another way, what will your legacy be? We're looking forward to another terrific show today with our featured guest, Bjorn Ost. Bjorn is co-founder and CEO of Good Idea Drinks, the Swedish sugar buster. He's also co-founder and member of the board of directors of Oatly, a 100% oat-based alternative to milk. We'll have a lot to talk about with Bjorn. Before we begin, I want to welcome a returning sponsor, the POI Institute. The POI Institute is a private, luxurious, holistic detox center located in gorgeous Cabo San Lucas on Mexico's Baja California Peninsula. POI offers safe, medically focused Ibogaine detox treatments for individuals suffering from a variety of addictions. Call the POI Institute at 833-POI-CABO. That's 833-POI-CABO. Or check out their website, poiibogaine.com. That's P-O-I-I-B-O-G-A-I-N-E.com. Be sure to tell them that Life's Tough sent you. Bjorn Ost, as just mentioned, is co-founder and CEO of Good Idea Drinks, the Swedish sugar buster. The drink is carbonated water with a blend of five amino acids, along with promium, which is clinically proven to reduce the blood sugar spike after a carb-rich meal. Bjorn is also co-founder and member of the board of directors of Oatly, a 100% oat-based alternative to milk. Good Idea Drinks came about in 2015 and Oatly in 1997. Oatly was a breakthrough venture for Bjorn. Earlier, he had completed a master's program at the Institute of Technology at Linköping University in his native Sweden. His course of study was industrial economics, Following his university training, which he completed in 1983, he started a software company with a group of friends. The company, Dynamic Software, became a world leader in specialized complex computer security systems for global banks, blue chip companies, governments, and other entities. Bjorn was responsible for sales and marketing until his group sold the company to Security Dynamics in 1997. Building a software company was interesting, Bjorn said, but now I had the opportunity to engage in something that could make a real difference in people's everyday lives. Bjorn decided to join his brother Richard, a professor in nutrition, who had just invented a healthy oat-based dairy alternative. It was a development with enormous potential, Bjorn said. The two brothers established Oatly. They introduced their product into the Nordic countries and across Europe, and it did well. Then they brought Oatly to the United States, where it also did well. It's spreading like a prairie fire, Bjorn said. They were also taking their initial steps to bringing it into China. The success of Oatly, Bjorn said, was the result of advanced cross-disciplinary research going hand-in-hand with a smart branding and marketing activity. At the same time, the two brothers started Adventure AB, a research company that specializes in advanced and functional food concepts. The company develops enticing food products that make it easier for consumers to shift to a healthier lifestyle. Good Idea Drinks, for instance 
presents a new approach to reducing the usual blood sugar spike that people get after consuming a substantial amount of carbs. It's a way to adapt a preventive mindset rather than relying on cures and treatments for such health problems as type 2 diabetes, obesity, and cardiovascular disease. Hey, Bjorn. Welcome to the show. Glad to have you on. Hey, thank you. It's so great to be here. So what led you to gravitate towards health-conscious food and beverage products, Bjorn? Well, I guess uh, my usual answer is it's all my brother's fault, right? Uh, you can blame he, it all on him. Yeah, I blame it on him squarely. Um, uh, I, I thought I was in the coolest industry on the planet when I worked with computer security and had really cool, you know, sophisticated customers around the world. But uh, my brother was tinkering with, with uh, how to change the world and how to help pe- people live healthier and longer lives. And, and at some point... I guess that hit home. I, I remember particularly one day when I went to a food show and uh, where people came into the booth and they started eating or drinking your food, right? And and uh, there's this connection there with the with the person at the on the other side that you, we in the software industry, when somebody came in and complained about a missed feature in your product, you could say, oh, don't worry, we'll take care of that in our next release. Or, you know, yeah, that's a bug, we're working on it. But that kind of stuff doesn't quite work with food. I mean, you know, it's, it's, if you like it or you don't, and there's no, there's no coming back, second chance there. So you have to make it right in the beginning. And that kind of became intriguing for me. Uh, And and working with consumers and consumer products as opposed to work with, with, uh, tech geeks around the world. Um, I, I guess that changed my perspective and my brother offered a way to, to come in and actually help do good. Yeah. And you guys really have made an impact. And I, you know, I talked offline that my family, uh, every morning, my kids, they drink Oatly and my, my wife now, she is a big fan of good idea drinks that you have created something that gives people their peace. It, it brings a smile and that must be very rewarding for you. Oh, absolutely it is, right? I mean, uh, one of my early um, uh, big uh, uh, revelations was that when uh, we we got a letter to the company, uh, this is probably, what, 15 years ago, from a bunch of kids. It turned out to be um, uh, a class of uh, handicapped children, you know, children with issues. And they've been on a school trip, and their bus happened to pass our factory. And uh, they wrote us this letter where they said, you know, oh, we just d- drove by your factory today. And we were sang the Oatly song, and uh, we were so happy that you're here. And, you know, they went on to the whole um, long explanation of what, what it meant to them and how it changed their quality of life. Uh, and when you get that kind of reaction, I mean, it's, it's very like, rewarding. you know, yeah, what can you say, right? It couldn't be better. And, and uh, we've seen a lot of these things, how we can help change uh, the quality of life of families that, for example, have uh, milk protein allergic children, right? And mm-hmm. they all of a sudden have to separate cooking utensils and you can't, uh, and, uh, let's say you have your daughter with, with a milk protein allergy and she has a friend's home. and. You can't all, you know, eat their ice cream or anything. So you have to separate everything. And, and that creates, uh, I mean, it's a quality, it becomes a quality of life issue. And now we can offer products that everybody enjoy and, and partake in and, and, and uh, without anyone feeling outside or, or separated, right? Yeah, and I think that you so, know it and something that I've learned is that, uh, especially Sweden, is very advanced when it comes to the foods that will allow 
uh, especially children, to uh, partake, you know, uh, Red 40 not being a, a good thing. Um, have you seen this big difference in education, the way you must educate the Nordic countries versus, uh, let's say, the United States? Uh, in, uh, yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's different for sure, right? I mean, for one thing, in, in the Nordic countries, the prevalence of lactose intolerance is fairly low where it's some of the lowest prevalence on the planet. So so in that sense, you could argue that would really be the wrong market to launch a dairy alternative, right? Yeah. Um, so, so from that particular perspective, uh, I think education um, was maybe not the biggest issue. But, but, but uh, on the other hand, here in the U.S., there's there's a there's always been a, a much bigger demand for for alternatives to dairy. So so coming here, education was less of an issue. I would say fascinating. Uh, and why do you think there is such a difference between let's say the Nordic countries, Sweden, and the, the tolerance or intolerance versus the U.S. Is is this genetic or is it something else? It is genetic, and there there is another side story here too. Uh, when I say I usually blame my brother, right, and he, he will probably laugh and say that he actually blames his professor when he was a young student and when he took his PhD because he studied under a gentleman called Professor Arne Dahlqvist at Lund University, and that was the guy that discovered lactose intolerance and first described it. That was, you know, so, so my brother grew up in an academic environment, always looking at, at uh, lactose intolerance and trying to understand, well, looking at the issues with dairy, I should say, and, and trying to see how they could fix that, right? Mm-hmm. So lactose intolerance is absolutely genetically driven. Uh, and and uh, in fact, most of the popula- global population, I think it's somewhere around 90% of the adult population, is usually lacto intolerant. That's the normal state for humans. Then there's some oddballs, outliers like Scandinavians or or the Maasai, for example, in Eastern Africa. Just to mention uh, two groups of people that have uh, traditionally very uh, high, uh, have a low prevalence of lacto intolerance, very high tolerance of lactose. And uh, it's uh, considered being genetic uh, uh, one gene uh, mutation, basically, that made the Maasai uh, give them an advantage uh, that they could survive drinking. the. It's a nomadic tribe, right? And mm-hmm. they uh, traditionally been herding cattle. And, and uh, they somehow figured out that the guys that could uh, actually consume the milk from the cows had an advantage and, and survived longer. Same thing happened in northern Europe. And, and uh, there's some other places across the world, too, where you find that. But that uh, that's uh, yeah, really fascinating. It, and, it and, is and, very uh, fascinating uh, to, yeah. to, to uh, learn that each um, each culture, each, uh, each group, ethnic group, could have a different tolerance. Uh, looking yeah. at uh, bringing products to market, you're an entrepreneur. What challenges do you face when you're bringing something to market? There, there are obviously a number of challenges depending on what type of products you are, what category you go into. And, and so I can compare now, let's say, Oatly with Good Idea. Oatly, uh, when we launched Oatly, fine. In the early days in, in Scandinavia, there wasn't really a non-dairy market to go after. But uh, the last 10 years or so, it's been a very large soy milk, almond milk market everywhere. And, and consumers large number of consumers generally somewhat dissatisfied with that offering. So when you come with Oatly, you come into a marketplace that is already there looking for alternatives and is generally not 
too happy with what's out there already. So yeah, with that's the current a, choices. Yes, exactly. So that that makes it easy. When I come with a good idea, it, it's totally a new category. And we, we offer a functional beverage here that addresses a key concern about blood sugar and blood sugar management. So, so a big deal for us is how do I educate the market or why this, why you should care at all? Why is this good for you? And what are the benefits? Those are not intuitive and obvious to, to most consumers. So, so I do have a, 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 a big uphill struggle here in that sense. Yeah. And experience in the Chinese market, what has that experience been like? Uh, amazing. I personally spent, I think, good part of seven years traveling back and forth uh, between Sweden and China as I was uh, running Oatly China for a number of years and developing the, the business plan and the go-to-market there. There, you could say, with coming with Oatly, there was no non-dairy market. There wasn't even a dairy market. So why would there be a, an alternative to dairy when you didn't really add dairy in the first place, right? Yeah. So, so there you had to build and develop the market on very different uh, uh, premises. And now where we actually launched in China, I think a year and a half ago, is doing extremely well. And, and it's, uh, uh, it's building, uh, again, uh, a play on going after tea and coffee markets i guess trying to take primarily market. where yeah where, where where we play on taste it actually tastes better yeah, than dairy it, it really at, does. at the end of the day so so, and, so yeah and building out distribution channels you know traditional versus let's say selling it through online uh, suppliers online platforms what do you find is to be the better model I don't think you can really talk about a better or worse model. You have to work with both. Uh, you have to, you have to, uh, I mean, omnichannel, I guess, is the popular expression now, right? Everybody's talking about. That's right. But you really have to play in both worlds. Um, I mean, here in the U.S., uh, uh, well, this interesting comparison between the U.S. and China, for example, in China, where you did not have, when we came there, they didn't, their um, retail market is obviously very well developed, but only in the big cities. So that there's, uh, there's a lot of work for the Chinese retailers uh, and all the, you know, the Walmarts or other Western retailers that are also big in China. There's a, there's a huge work to do on the logistics and, 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 and whatnot, um, which has led to the, uh, um, uh, direct to consumer online market to explode in China. So I, I don't remember, I don't have the numbers exactly in front of me, but a very large proportion of Chinese consumers buy food online, much higher proportion than here in the US, for example. Interesting. So, so online channels in China are extremely important. Uh, uh, they have also the benefit of having much lower drop costs uh, because of you know cost of labor there. So, so it, the whole the whole uh, online dis direct distribution consumer market becomes much more efficient. Um, here in the U.S., you see a, a quick growth in in uh, online retail for food and food and beverages, but it's still very small. Uh, for us, with a good ID product, for example, and f for that matter, when when only launched in the U.S., uh, by definition, you, you you'll be you know, the first couple of years in the market, you'll have a limited retail uh, uh, distribution. So, online becomes an extremely important additional channel to cover 
the rest of the market so in the way that you can catch early adopters and and, and you know really influential people influencers whatever wherever they reside you can always cover those and reach them um, through online business but you won't build the, the the big platform that way yeah and having said so we start to see some companies in this country that are proven very successful in re- in uh, online sales even for products like waters right so mm-hmm. so the, it, there is definitely a big shift going on here in the US and um, uh, i think that's great that boats well for 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 um, startups and and, and um, products like good idea for example absolutely and what have you learned about yourself through these, I don't know, I call it your multifaceted career. You've done, you've been on the software side, sales and marketing to now your food and beverage. What have you learned about yourself? Uh, um, I don't know. <laughs> I wish I knew, right? <laughs> I, I learn every What's day. What's the secret of being Bjorn? How did you do it? I mean, that's quite a transition to go from one to the other. Well, you know, it's interesting because my, my uh, first the first thing I did when I came from the software industry, so I, in my software business, I traveled the world and I did licensing deals with the very large companies all over the world, Samsung in Korea and you know, Australian telecom company and, you know, Sun Microsystems and Hewlett Packard here in the U.S. And, and Those are big deals. Uh, yeah, yeah they, they were for us in particular. They were big deals, but in particular, they were big companies, big corporations. And my very first deal when I joined my brother on the oatmeal business uh, in 1997, I actually negotiated a deal with Danone. And uh, Oatly wasn't formed, by the way, until 2001, right? In the beginning, we were pursuing an ingredient play. We didn't think we had the resources and the money and the uh, possibility to really build a consumer brand. We felt that was too big of a step for us at that point in time. So we'd, we'd, we pursued an ingredient business. And my very first Thing was to sit and negotiate with Danon, and at that point, there was really no difference from from a business perspective, uh, whether it was you know software security software deal or, or or talking about transfer technology and licensing to a big uh, dairy company, as it were, right? Yeah. And and uh, Danon proceeded to to completely fail with their launch, so so the deal didn't transpire into anything big but was certainly an eye-opener for us and and also the the uh, trigger to make us to force us go and decide to build our own consumer brand we realized simply we had to be the masters of our own destiny and and you are not if you're an ingredient player yeah and your fuel what fuels you i mean you've had tremendous success so what's the next for you what keeps you going i think i think but keeps you going it's not, it has to be exciting to go to work every day so so passion is really a, a big part of it you need to be passionate about what you're doing you need to feel you know excited about doing this and it's easy to be excited about bringing healthy food products for, for a couple of reasons we already mentioned right but right. it's really a great area where you can combine truly bringing health and do good to to many people in a way that is very rewarding, right? Yeah, it's and, multi-generational. And a, you're, you're, oh, totally. You're, yeah, absolutely. It, 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 yeah, so it spans, it spans generations, it spans cultures, nations, and, and uh, there is a desperate need for, for uh, a change of paradigm here, which is in small steps happening, right? Away from 
the, the notion of healing and provide you know wait for people to get sick and then pop prop them full with with pharmaceuticals we need to shift away from that and into a preemptive uh uh strike situation where we you know uh provide people uh tools and and support to live healthier lives so yeah, they being don't more pro- yeah absolutely being more proactive seems to be the key oh, preventive health care is absolutely mandatory for for our societies and and look at diabetes and the rampant cost of to society and uh decline of quality of life for people families individuals it's it it's it gotta stop. Yeah, right? It's an epidemic. It gotta stop. So so we when when the good idea was originally invented, it, we almost felt like a obligation to bring this to the market because it can it can have. It's not the only solution. It's not the sole. It's not the magic pill, right? But it's definitely a tool that combined with other tools like more exercise and you know better awareness of what you eat eat and whatnot certainly can help stem the the uh, diabetes pandemic pandemic right so so pandemic so so yeah i mean you know when, when you have this opportunity and 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 uh, uh, you feel like i gotta do this it's it's sort of like a mission it's a call from above it sits on your shoulders right? the, the passion yeah yeah and do you envision a time where you know you'll ever move on from food and beverage into a different sector uh, I, I don't. I mean, our, my brothers and my uh, uh, um, R&D company, Aventure, that you mentioned briefly in the beginning here, we, we have a line of, we, we think, we talk about pharmaceuticals, we see a big play for food in preventive healthcare, but we also see a play for food as pharmaceuticals. So we have a number of projects where we actually develop foods that, that will go through pharmaceutical approval processes. Wow, that's fascinating. And, and uh, because there's uh, a lot of healing powers in, in food. And I think we, we started actually a venture back in 2006. And we've been doing food tech. We've been in the food tech industry before, long before the, the phrase was even coined, right? So, so we, we were firm believers in that crossroad between true science and multidisciplinary science that is required and makes, I guess, food tech in many ways quite complicated. Um, but we believe in that that as a big future area. And, and I think uh, I, I'll see my involvement in that go on for, for years. It's maybe what I do and how I work myself in this space that I hope will shift. I, I, I really want to be more moving over the next two, three, four years into coaching and, and helping young entrepreneurs and, 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 and the younger generation move into this space and and, and uh, work more on strategic level and board level and maybe not so much on operational levels. But, but and I think uh, for me personally, to move in that direction would be extremely rewarding and, and you know, start training in the next generation of food entrepreneurs. I think that's, that'd be very cool. I, I think that is very cool. So how do we find good idea drinks? Well, the easiest way for anyone listening is to go to Amazon, Amazon.com, and Good Idea Drinks. Uh, search for Good Idea Drinks, and, and in fact, we actually happen to have a, a campaign now in September. So hurry, hurry up and go there and get a good discount and get to try it out and, and uh, drink it with your lunch. And you'll notice that you uh, stay awake during the one o'clock boring presentation by your boss. How'd you know? Right? Huh? That, that's what I drink every day. <laughs> it helps yeah. to keep me going. <laughs> 
That's great. Yeah, no, absolutely. Wonderful. All right. Well, final words you have uh, for our audience? Uh, no, I, I think uh, it's hard to tell. We, we covered a lot of ground here. We, we but, did. But, we we uh, got through a lot together, Bjorn. Yeah, I think I encourage everybody to, to uh, read articles about blood sugar and blood sugar management and understand how important it is. And, and, and uh, uh, then, you know, it's easy to help manage your and maintain healthy blood sugar levels by drinking good ID with your food. Wonderful. Last question for him. We asked this of all of our guests. Who's the toughest person or persons that you've ever known? And people that have inspired you or kept you going on maybe the tougher days. Who's helped Bjorn through his journey? Oh, um, well, it's a great question. Uh, there's been a number of people that I have been working with, but I mean, uh, for example, I think uh, the dynamic and the relationship between me and my brother has been very healthy. We argue and fight a lot, but you know, it's always for the right reasons and not in a personal level. But I, 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 uh, I like that. I think, and and I, my career, I've had, uh, you know, when I built my software company, my head of engineering and I, we, we. We often talk about that. We had all these very healthy, dynamic arguments, right? Arguing our causes, but uh, always agreeing and agree to disagree when we had to. But but in that dynamic, um, I look at um, senior politicians, no name mentions, but that seem to surround themselves by yaysayers, right? It must be the most dangerous thing you can have. And it, it is very I, dangerous. I, 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 th I thrive in an environment where there there is um, uh, different um, uh, opinions being voiced and, and argued on a on a uh, on a uh, not on a personal but on a factual basis, right? And then that's that's what we want to create. And I've been fortunate to have senior people uh, old uh, senior food and beverage uh, presidents and others uh, from companies back in Sweden that have been my mentors. So my, and that's kind of, I guess, why I also feel I like to start pay back to younger uh, entrepreneurs to be a mentor and to share many of these experiences with the younger generation that can come and, and, and you know, they have a big task ahead. They have to save the they planet. Uh, we, we clearly didn't. So, so, but maybe we can coach them and help them do that. Well said. Well, Thank you, Bjorn. And as we always end up with, life's tough. But Bjorn's <laughs> brother is tougher. Thank you so much, Bjorn. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks a lot. Take care. Bye. Bye. So that wraps up our show for today. Thanks again to Bjorn Ost for making this another terrific and enlightening episode of our Life's Tough podcast. And thanks to you, our amazing audience, for making the Life's Tough podcast one of the most relevant, engaging, and fastest growing shows around. Also, special thanks to my dear friend, Gerald Levin, Life's Tough Chief Writer and my Sherpa, and to my friend, John Miller, of the Austin Carlisle Studio here in Baltimore, Maryland. You already know life is tough, and running your own business is tougher. You need a financial planner who's tougher. Carl Grund is a financial planner who helps small business owners navigate the market and grow their business through financial strategies. Give Carl a call at 703 287-7128. That's 703-287-7128. Or send an email to cgrund at sfpfinancial.com. That's cgrund at sfpfinancial.com to learn how Carl can help you get tough on business. Securities and advisory services offered through Royal Alliance Associates, Inc. Member FINRA, SIPC. The stories we all hear 
are as varied as the people who tell them. It's impossible to discount the impact of any one singular experience. Instead, I ask you to use your story to empower others. Your story may be just what it takes to help somebody in your circle, or perhaps in our community, to get through a tipping point moment, an instance in when that person either chooses to continue to be a victim, or when that person finds the strength to transcend a particular situation. Please subscribe to our show, visit lifestuff.com, and be sure to join us every week for a new stimulating hour of heartfelt discussion. Tell your friends about us too. Remember, everyone has a story, and every story has a purpose. Life's tough, you can be tougher. Thanks for listening and being a part of our community. Now, for the entire Life's Tough team, this is Dustin Planel signing off. Have a great week, everyone.